and we're continuing our broker-centric initiatives. I mean, that hasn't changed. We haven't wavered on anything like that. And it's important for people to note that Magenta was created almost three decades ago to help Canadians, you know, have home financing and- So who, how old, who's older, you, you two guys? You said you're 28, so how old is Magenta? Paul looks older, right? Yeah, no, I'm talking about <laughs> age, I'm talking about your I know, I know. <laughs> The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to the Mortgage Brokering Podcast. I'm doing my 10 months a month series. This is a tactical podcast I produce every week. However, this week, I'm actually making a little bit of an adjustment. I'm doing a live interview with Paul Campbell and Riza Ali. Paul's from Magenta and Riza's from Fisgard. And there's been a lot of challenges in the alternative space, given the current kind of market, what's happening in the markets as well as interest rates. And so I thought, hey, why don't we have a conversation with a couple of guys who eat, sleep and breathe this stuff, find out what's going on and really help you to be more informed about you know, how to run your business today. So before we jump into that, though, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadians. It is very easy for brokers to use, very easy for borrowers. It's got some really cool features. The first one is Smart Docs. So as the client is filling out the app, it knows what type of uh, documents to ask for based on how they fill it out. It's got a connection direct to Blender Spotlight. And so Blender Spotlight is a tool that's designed to help you search all lenders, rates and guidelines. And it's got smart submission notes. So it pulls key data from the application so that your underwriter doesn't have to look for it. And it's also got a feature where before you hit submit and if it knows what lender you're going to, it'll actually, hey, don't forget about these policies. So you don't waste time sending in files and having them decline. It is extremely slick. Check them out at lendescom slash Finmo and they'll set you up with a free demo. So have a listen to this conversation I have with Paul and Riza. So, hey guys, thanks for coming on to chat with me today about, you know, the mix space. There's been some interesting stuff going on in it. And maybe, I mean, I think most people know who you guys are, but maybe we'll just get you to quickly introduce yourself, who you are, what company you're with, so that anybody isn't sure we know who that is. So maybe you go first, Riza, and then I'll go to you, Paul. All right. Thanks, Scott. So my name is Riza Ali. I'm the Broker Relations Manager for Fiskard. I cover off Ontario and Manitoba regions. Been in the business 23 years and uh, seen a lot of things happening these days. So. Yeah, it's a little over crazy. My career. So what is uh, Fisgard? So people, again, yeah, yeah. Are pretty well known, but what is your guys' lending area? No, for sure. So Fisgard, we lend from BC to Ontario and we've been in business 28 years doing so. So serving okay. Canadians that long. Okay, Paul, how about you? Yeah, so I'm Paul Campbell, Director of Mortgage Originations at Magenta. And, you know, we service urban small centers, rural locations throughout Ontario. Our interactive lending area map can be found on our website to really, you know, do a deep dive in all our specific areas. Right. Okay. So I got some questions on, there's been lots of changes happening in the mix space in the last little, and actually the whole mortgage space in general. So people are going, holy crap, what happened? I described the real estate market. It's like a house party and everybody's having fun. And then the music changes, the police show up and it's like, oh, and it feels a little bit like the house party has been going on for a couple of years and it's been rocking, you know, the keg is going and then the police show up and then music stops. And, and uh, that's just been how I kind of see it. But for you, I'll go with you first, Riza. What's been your biggest change that you've seen the mix space since January? Because really, that's kind of when things started to show up. That was a great description, by the way, Scott. I remember some of those days. Yeah, um, part of, or you got the bonfire with the pallets and stuff. You know? That's right. When you live out in the country, that's what happens. Um, so, so yeah, to comment on, uh, you know, the start of the year, what's been trending, we actually saw a great start to the year and things were normal, moving along, demand was healthy, 
requests for payouts were healthy, which meant we can turn around and use that capital to lend out again. To me, that was a great indicator that the planned access strategies were on track. And that was a testament to our strong underwriting as well. Just understanding our risks, the tolerance levels there as well. But I would say over the last month or two, we then just started seeing these other trends happening, the softening of the market, more so outside of the greater Toronto area, the greater Vancouver area, and all the other major centers as well. So we really started to pay attention to that and really track that along the way. And of course, the interest rate rising, which really right. accelerated everything. So, Okay, I'm um, going to come back and ask you some more yeah, questions yeah. about Go that. It. But Paul, from your perspective as well, tell me what you've kind of seen, kind of like Ariza said, from January and then certainly in the last month. Oh, wow. I mean, it's just been, you know, just a roller coaster ride, I think. And I mean, when you look at the Bank of Canada overnight rate, you know, we've had multiple increases since March 3rd. Rates gone up by, you know, one and a half percent. And there's anticipated rate hikes for the future. So, you know, with bank mortgage rates having similarly increased substantially and continuing to trend upward, you know, that's going to impact the mix space. And not just for us, but the mortgage industry as a whole, I think what we're seeing is that the mix space has been growing since January. And Magenta saw these results, you know, through our increase in AUM. Right. Okay. So you said something there, Risa, about market softening. So can you give me an example of kind of something? Yeah, yeah for noticed? sure. You know, we started seeing the trends, whether it was a purchase or refi transaction, the grief upon purchase price specifically, then all of a sudden the appraisal happens and the appraisals are coming in and it varies. It, you know, appraisals come in 25, 50,000, some cases, especially on the higher end properties, hundreds of thousands lower. And we've definitely seen that accelerating. So I don't know when that's actually going to slow down, but eventually it will. Yeah, it's a cycle. And so just, you know, so maybe I'll ask you this first, Paul, what's the biggest challenge that if you're running a MIC, you know, and what is a rising rate environment, let's put the real estate softening as one thing and the rising rate is, you know, the related, but how does that affect your guys' operations or how you run your business? I think when you're making reference to like biggest challenges for us, you know, we choose our mortgages carefully which is both a benefit and a challenge at times for us. You know, our thing is that we want to help Canadians build for the future. You know, Scott and I, you and I have talked about it many times about Magenta being flexible, you know, being able to evolve in the pandemic and phasing into the new normal. But our products have kept up with the changes. And for us, you know, I can say that the mixed space, as well as, you know, each lender has their niche market, but collectively we provide an opportunity for those who don't qualify for traditional financing. Mix need to remain flexible on their products. And the reality is that, you know, flexible product offerings will continue, but the challenge lies in offering the best rates. And you and I have spoken, you know, time and time again about the rates that, you know, specifically what we offer. And you've often said, but hey, the rates were closing. insane. Like what, yeah. what you, like all the mix, what you guys were offering were prime mortgage rates, you know, not that long ago. And so that's not going to stay, obviously. So no, um, no, yeah, that's it's the focus more will be around like, you know, the MIC underwriting philosophy and the broker really has to pitch their client story to us. You know, that broker relationship is key. As you start to see lending criteria shift, that's going to be more of the focus for us is, you know, tell us about this deal. Tell us what the exit strategy is and how do we take this deal on our books and get it off our books within, you know, the 12 months. Right, right. Okay. How about you, Reza? What kind of challenges does operating a MIC in a rising rate environment do? Because I have some thoughts, but I just want to hear your guys' thoughts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Questions you guys. Yeah, and, and you know, I, there is a lot of talk around rates. And my point has always been over the years, it's not about rate on this side of the business. It's all about the total yield 
And people really have to start paying attention to that and doing the math behind that. Cost of funds, it impacts all lenders, you know, with the mix, especially the ones that rely heavily on secured lines, those funds have become more expensive. And eventually those costs have to be passed on somewhere. And generally that's to the consumer. You know, when you're in a rising rate environment, only use the broker community. And you've got to keep this in mind. You as a broker community have access to us, the non-bank lenders, the alternative lenders. We only take our business from the broker channel, not consumer direct. It's really a great spot to be in for you guys. But at some point in time, those costs have to be passed on. We're looking at, and I'll say this, you know, a mixed greatest position is to be broke. Right. I want you, you mean to have, you basically you have all not, your assets are being, it's fully funded in, in other words, not actually being broke, but you're fully funded. I know what you're saying. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And I want to make sure you're clear on that. But the reality is it's great for the investor. We have all our money out. The investor funds are working, but it's a challenge for the broker community, right? To find those funds and make sure that they're coming back. And part of those challenges, Scott, you know, when you're in a rising rate environment, people are not qualifying on the B side or the A side. What is a mixed exit for those consumers? It's either a refinance out or they're selling their property. Right. Those are the two main exits. So if they're not able to exit as a refinance, then what happens? It's a renewal. And as soon as our renewals start increasing, it ties up those funds. Right. I see. That's interesting. The greatest asset is being, I don't say broke, but like basically having all your money managed. I'm not broke, but so what what percentage in a normal balance market would a mix still, because you've got to still, like if I'm an investor and I put money with you, I expect a return on all the money. I don't really care how much of it is invested, how much sitting in your bank account or whatever, but like what kind of percent, what would be a normal kind of range? And that's the balancing act, Scott, that people need to understand. You know, you can go out and raise all sorts of capital, especially in this environment. And if you do, that's great. And you can continue rolling. But the minute it balances off again, the environment switches back. If you're sitting on that capital, that's another issue as well. You know, it depends on the operation. I've heard instances where, you know, 70% of the book renews. I've heard other mix say 80 to 90% of their book renews and they're rolling the rest of it. You know, on average, depending on what you do, if you're a really short-term lender and you're getting that money back in six months, or similar to ourselves, we're offering one-year open terms or even two-year terms, we may see clients stay with us for 13 or 14 months and then the exit hits and they're right. I see. Okay. And uh, how about you, Paul? What is your sort of thoughts on that whole idea of like, same question I asked to you know the question. I don't need to repeat it. Yeah. I'm trying to get better interviewing. I'm like, sometimes I talk too much. Keep going. Uh, I would say it's similar in terms of the numbers to Reza's. I'd say that, you know, much like Fiskard, we do look at the exit strategy and we focus on having those funds being freed up, right? That's where the sweet spot is for us is not the renewals, but more the more of the exit strategy where they've either refied out or just gone elsewhere. Right. I saw a post recently about the whole renewal thing and how, I mean, even on the A side, the renewals, mm-hmm. if somebody's renewing, you know, depending on what kind of happens in the time frame of this cycle, there's going to be a bit of a sticker shock on the renewal for all mortgages. Yeah. And so I think that's just going to be something we have to navigate. And I think like, remember when COVID first hit and everybody was in a big, people were like, oh, like, just relax, guys, like stay focused, yeah. run your business. Mm-hmm. Real estate's not going anywhere. Mortgage, like, I believe there's always an angle. There's always a solution. And just start thinking about how do you solve your client's problems and something will come up. Like, you don't have to I, like... 
Yeah, I agree, Scott. You know, I said this yesterday at a conference. This is not a bad news scenario by any means, guys. Like, there's a lot of capital out there still to be able to access, and you really need to understand who you're dealing with, not just know your client. It's about knowing your lender, especially in this type of environment, and whether they're able to renew for your client and hold them over or not is an extremely important piece to understand because if you're doing a three or six month term and everyone goes in with the best intentions, it's not happening right now. The exits are not happening as quickly as anyone anticipated. So you really have to understand what's going to happen on the back end with those renewal rates, with those renewal fees, things like that. Right, right. Yeah. And good mortgage brokers know you're a consultant. You know, I always say a yeah. good golfer doesn't think about the one shot. They think about the next one and the next one. And so as a mortgage broker, we should be thinking a couple steps ahead for our clients. Otherwise, we should just be working at McDonald's and taking orders. And so really, you got to start thinking about some of this stuff for your clients and even having conversations with them to be like, hey, so just so you're aware, currently, you've probably been watching the news, Mr. Client. Rates have been going up. Your alternative mortgage rate is going to go up on renewal. You need to think about what's your plan here. Is it a sale? And what is that going to look like? Instead of all of a sudden getting a notice and the client's freaking out, it's like you guys have an opportunity now to reach out to them and start a conversation early. That's all about like setting it's, expectations. I would not wait until way. 12 months from now. And then the client's having a fit when you could be like, I've been telling you about this for the last nine months. So, you know, I think this is an opportunity for engagement with your database. But so, Paul, there was an article recently, the Golden Mail. So congrats on being the Golden Mail. And they kind of <laughs> made it, they kind of said, hey, you suspended your landing. And so can you talk about that? Because it was like, you know, there's some definitely misinformation. Anyway, so I would love you to chat about that. There was an article? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was. You know, like I said before, I mean, the mixed phase grew and Magenta saw the growth in the early months of 2022. And, you know, we exceeded expectations for several months in a row, capitalizing on a favorable market. And we grew at an unprecedented rate, which led to fully utilizing our lending capacity, which is not uncommon for a MIC. I mean, it's the nature of the business is basically the way MICs operate. And at the time, we had made a strategic business decision to kind of pause applications with funding dates before September 1st. And, you know, we were conservative in choosing to fund after September 1st. It was one of those things that we went to market with. I mean, complete transparency with our broker partners in the sense that, you know, we sent out the email, we advised our brokers of what was happening. You could have just declined you know, everything for two months and not to, like just, oh, declined. You're like, why are you declining? Well, yeah, you know, I don't it, think you do we that. Didn't, I'm just saying. For us, it was, the focus is always, you know, we're always broker focused. We're always thinking of that relationship. So we, we wanted to let everyone know that we've gotten ahead of this challenge and that, you know, we're working with banks. We're building out our teams to expand our investor relations team for funding specific projects. And we're continuing our broker-centric initiatives. I mean, that hasn't changed. We haven't wavered on anything like that. And it's important for people to note that Magenta was created almost three decades ago to help Canadians, you know, have home financing. And so who, oh, who's older? You, you two guys. You said you're 28. So how old is Magenta? Paul looks older, right? Yeah, no, I'm talking about age. I'm talking about your companies. I know. I know. <laughs> We've been around close to 30 years. We've had a okay, 20 Okay, so you're pretty similar record. in terms of time you guys started. So there's a long history here. You guys know what you're doing. You guys know how to run these companies, and you've been through other cycles. This will just be another one that someday we'll look back. Remember when? That's all good. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then, so we talked about the housing softening. So appraisal. So now on this, some of this stuff, and I'm not a B specialist, so I'm going to ask some really dumb questions, and hopefully you guys can bear with my dumb questions. But so on renewal, do you guys need appraisals? Like if you've already appraised the property, so let's say the property prices go down for a bit, 
and somebody's got a mortgage with you and this coming up for renewal, is there typically an appraisal? Is there not? How does that work? And maybe Riza, you go first. Oh, okay. To answer that question, generally we don't, but we're in a very different type of market. So we're going to look at what our exposures are. Are we going to request an appraisal on every single file at renewal? No, but we do assess the risk for sure. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so, and that's fair. I'm not trying to like yeah. make you guys make a statement that's like, Hey, yeah. you said, but I think that sometimes brokers need to stop and think if it was your money and maybe some of those brokers that have invested in you guys, what kind of questions would you be asking? Right? Like it's easy to yeah. give, give my clients money, but it's like, if it was your well, million Scott, dollars. You're right. And one of the things that needs to be understood as well, and I'll give you a scenario. If last year, the file was at, let's say 65% or even yeah. 70%. And this year is up for renewal. And based on the market environment, that LTV now is over 75%, which is our threshold. Let's say it, it's in an 80 or 85% position. What brokers have to understand from a lender perspective, that risk is there. And in order to renew, that client may be asked to bring that loan to value down to yeah. where we should be at 75% as our maximum. That's a real possibility in some situations. And I'm not just talking on the mix side. You're talking about all lenders that are involved out here in the community. Right. Yeah, that's true. How about you, Paul? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's very similar. I mean, we don't typically either. You know, it's deal dependent, but, you know, sort of what Riza touched on, if it's something that warrants having a second look, given where the market is, then that's definitely something that we would entertain, right? At the end of the day, it's an investment on our end that we need to protect, right? So if the investment has been devalued in some way, then who wants to be left holding the bag for something that's not worth what we think it is? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you guys have any questions, write them in the chat and the Facebook or wherever you want. We're happy to throw them at you guys. Oh, there's some questions in here. I'll last one a second here. <laughs> I didn't even realize. So do you guys have any ideas for like innovative products or was it too early to think about like what kind of products might be a good opportunity, you know? Um, in this market. Yeah, we, I mean, to your point, Scott, we've been through this over 28 years and think of all the downturns that we've experienced over 28 years and most recently the start of the pandemic. And out of that was born a number of different products to help clients that were losing their jobs and seeing reduced income and just struggling that way. So from our perspective, I don't see anything specifically on the horizon because if you think back to what happened in 2017, different factors but we're sort of experiencing a similar type of effect on the market. You know, it is cyclical, as you said, and we're just managing, you know, if you think about Fiskard and the products, people know what they're going to get with us. We're, we're like the McDonald's, right? You go in and you order, you know what you're getting from us from a product perspective, from a price point perspective as well, along with the service. So it's steady as we go. We're going to ride it out and then we'll make some determinations at that right. point. That's good. How about you, Paul? Any, I know, again, it's pretty early to ask that question about a product stuff. I have an idea. It sounds crazy. And I'll throw it at you guys. After, hear it. Yeah, it's probably, <laughs> it's probably, uh, uh, I don't even know if I should say it, but right, go ahead, Paul. I think for us, you know, where we're at, we're always trying to be on the cutting edge in terms of, you know, coming up with innovative products. How do we get more Canadians in homes? You know, like Riza, we've been around for 28 years and our track record speaks for itself. We want to put more Canadians in homes. And there's a level of creativity that's required in order to do that. And, you know, luckily I'm blessed. I work with some of the best mortgage minds I've ever had a chance to work with. So, you know, we definitely came to market with our no doc product. We came to market with that and that, 
you know, paid us in spades in terms of just being able to create solutions for people who had different scenarios. And, you know, on the horizon, you know, it's a little early to say, but I know that we definitely are working on a few things that we can assist Canadians on a go forward basis, get into homes. Right. Okay. I'll tell you my idea. This may be mm-hmm. completely You always outside. have good ideas, Scott. I, I, I come up with my son, my son is the same way. My son will come up with ideas in my car, and that's illegal. Like you can't do that. Like 90% <laughs> yeah. of his ideas are illegal. So he's either going to be a really good entrepreneur or he's going to be in jail. I don't know yet. But so I thought like, what if a real estate company who is interested in selling real estate was able to provide some of this financing with a certain fee structure or whatever that was adjusted based on the fact that you'd use them for the sale. So it's kind of like, there's people that at some point they may have to sell. They don't want to yet. Maybe they will, maybe mm-hmm. they won't. But if there was a real estate company tied into it, then there could be some kind of like a, it's a lead gen for a real estate company for properties that are going to end up going on the market in the next six to 12 months. But the people want to see what's going to happen. I don't know if that's legal, but I was just like, huh, that could be, <laughs> yeah. and fund it, but I'm like, that could be an interesting solution. And, where, where um, would they get these leads from Scott? Yeah. From the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Real estate company called the mix and said, Hey, look, I got money. Here's the deal. We'll lend out the money to these people. They have these criteria and there's a fee structure that gets somehow adjusted. If you use one of the agents, one of our real estate agents. And I'll tell you, yeah, no, no, no. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Is it ever really a bad idea unless it's illegal? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if things, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, the reality is though, Scott, and this goes right through the pandemic, the delinquency picture in the mixed space has been extremely low. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, when it comes to whether you're talking foreclosure, power of sale, just simple payment defaults, it's uh, been very low in all my conversations with any of the MIC operators out there in Ontario, or, you know, we land out to BC. So we talk to everyone in all the provinces out there as well. And the message has been the same. Now, are we going to start to see that? increase a little bit who knows it comes down to the economy and are people still going to be employed and be able to generate income to make their mortgage payments and right. we know the canadians in general will keep a roof over the head before anything else mm-hmm. it's when that it, income yeah. stream stops then yeah. it becomes a problem it is the last thing to go like in terms mm-hmm. of the yeah but okay so roshan asked what are private lending prices based on so maybe paul you take a swing at that first and then i'll give you a reason just educate the market on how that works so i think it was touched upon earlier you know when we look at pricing out a specific product it's really around the yield and it focuses more on our investors so we want to make sure that the return is there for our investors we want to make sure that it's profitable but we also want to make sure that it's palatable for our consumers, right? We don't want to put someone in a worse position. We want to put Canadians in better positions. So it's a unique formula that all things have to kind of line up in a certain way that all three boxes can get checked simultaneously. And I know that for us on our end, there's a lot of background work that goes into making sure the pricing is where it needs to be. So, you know, we can keep our consumers happy. We can keep our investors happy. And of course, at the end of the day, it's a business. We can remain profitable. Right. That makes sense. Rizzo, yeah. how do you guys uh, answer that question? How do you price well, it? Yeah, capital management, profitability. Uh, I always say this, Scott, every MIC is a different model and they have a different group of investors that choose to invest with them based on expectations of returns. So that's number one. We look at what's the expectation of return and then how can we price that to stay competitive within the market based on risk tolerances as well. So you come down to lending areas, property types, loan to values. So the exposure there, that all plays a factor into what the price points are going to be, as well as term. 
you know, are you pricing a, a three, six, one year or two year term differently? But ultimately, number one, I said earlier, to make sure that money is lent out on the market and we get it all back, but also to stay profitable. Yeah, so a, there's a balancing act I'm kind of envisioning between profitability and marketability. So and what absolutely. you can make money on, being measuring, including risk, and then what can be sold in the marketplace that consumers and you know people will be like, okay, that makes sense. So falls in between there. And so Jim Pearson asks, can I invest with Fizzgard? Yes, and he has $1 billion that he'd like to come <laughs> yeah. Jim, I just committed you, you to a billion dollars all, investment. That's you can't, all you've got. Yeah. You can split it up, $500 million each, and then you guys yeah. can go nuts. I'm just kidding. Yes, uh, the answer is yes. We capital raise daily. We never stop that, but we absolutely can take your money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Show me so the money, can, Jerry. So can, so can Magenta. Magenta can take your money as well. Yeah, there you go. So... Um, Okay, so anything, reason I should have asked you since we, you know, I'm just going to wrap up with that. You think it would be useful for our listeners to know or brokers to know? I just, you know, I want to let everyone know. Again, I said it before, this is not a bad news story. There's a lot of capital out there. The MIC community as a whole, we do work together. We stay in touch with each other. We understand what each other does so that when any of you call us and I can't do it or Paul can't do it, we say, call this person and we know that they can help. So the relationships are there in our lending areas, wherever that may be. And just understand that. And again, this is a capital management play right now. It always has been. And it's very, very important in these type of environments. Relationships with your lender. It's more important than ever nowadays. It's more important <laughs> than ever to really understand and have that good relationship with your lender. And, right and to Scott's point, I'm going to rhyme up a couple of things here, Scott. Yeah, uh, to it. wrap it up, we all say <laughs> the media, you know, and Paul said this, get out ahead of it, make sure we're transparent and honest with our broker communities to help them understand what's going on. The worst situation a lender can do is promise something, commit on it and not fund it, right? As a broker and to your client, that's the worst position we can put you in. So if we're telling you this is what the situation is, this is where it's going to turn around. Just be transparent, but we're here. Yeah, 100%. Media, it's what it is. If it bleeds, it yeah. leads, right? As we yep. say. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Paul, what's the last word from you? Oh, man. The last word for me was, you know, I thank you for having this platform to mm -hmm. educate people about mix because the timing of it is important, but it's also needed. And my last messaging to everyone is for them to know and understand that, you know, Magenta is, you know, we're healthy, we're profitable. It's an exciting time for us, as Riza touched on, you know, this isn't really a bad thing. It's actually a good news story. And, you know, we're focused on coming back in months with, you know, a few things to the marketplace. And, you know, we're excited about what lies ahead for us. And, you know, I think this is where, for us, we get to really explore those relationships that we have with our broker partners. And, mm -hmm. you know, this article that came out kind of was twofold. I mean, it kind of gave us some other opportunities. Some opportunities were born out of this for us that, you know, we just wouldn't have foreseen unless this article was published. So like Riza said, we are definitely working as a community within the mix space. We understand and know what our competitors are doing. And it could be a function of us not offering certain things that the other person's offering. So we're able to kind of, you know, divvy up those deals, if you will, and make those type of referrals or suggestions to the broker community. So onwards and upwards we go. Like I said, I'm excited for Magenta and everything that lies ahead of us. And I'm really looking forward to the next couple of months. 
Yeah, it's going to be good. And yeah, uh, the thing I'd say, guys, is call your clients. Like, get in front of this early. Do not let them get, and this is for your prime and non-prime clients, but get in front of it early. Start having conversations. You know, start getting them because you give them seven months to figure this out. They make them up with a solution. You give them 30 days. It's like, oh, crap. Now I'm like, so I think that mm-hmm. we as brokers have a responsibility to be in touch with these clients and at least communicate to them so that they know what their options are and whatever that looks like. Maybe that means selling now. Maybe that means bringing some family in, whatever. And then if you're a real estate company and you want to invest in second mortgages behind mix for people that's that loan to value goes down with a, you know, there could be, I don't know, this crazy go. idea. Jason, Henry, <laughs> go create something, you crazy bugger. Um, <laughs> what an idea, Scott. Yeah. And then when Jim Pearson puts his billion dollars in, we're good. So that's right. Then we're fine at that point. Hey, quick thing for you. Just keep an eye on the regulators as well, because the regulators are watching this space. And I just want to make sure everyone's aware of that. This is a highly regulated space if you don't know that already, um, oh, yeah. especially on the security side. So regulators are watching, you know, individual private lenders versus the mix and where are the conflicts happening and if they are. So, you know, reach out to your MIC operators, find out if they can help you and get the right solution for your client. That's really what you're about. It's not about the front end. As Scott said, follow through right till the end and beyond mm-hmm. and draw that plan out for your client. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know what other opportunities will come from that. Those conversations yeah. with the client could turn into other clients for you. Like literally, yeah. there's a lot of brokers now going, I want more business, call your clients, start <laughs> planning for them. And then it's going to spin off into, hey, why don't you talk to my sister, talk to my cousin, mm-hmm. my neighbor actually mentioned something to me. And now, yeah, you start to build up that pipeline for when, you know, and so I just think that that always makes sense. So thanks, guys, for coming to chat with me and being uh, totally open and honest. And we'll be chatting with you guys soon. Peace out. Scott, thank you very right. much. Thanks for having us, Scott. Take care. Thanks again for listening to this episode. If you have any ideas for live shows that you think would be useful for your, your mortgage business, shoot me an email. So scott.ilovemortgagebrokering.com. Love to hear your thoughts on bringing in other experts to talk about timely topics. Email me at scott.ilovemortgagebrokering.com. And thanks again for checking out this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.